Hey everyone and welcome to episode 8 of the For the Future podcast. In this episode, I chat with Tepanko Boko. She is the co-founder of Taka, an online library which aims to help young people build their skills and love for reading, particularly in their own mother tongue. Hope you enjoy. Okay, so thank you so much Tepang for taking the time to, to come on my show today. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure to be here and thank you so much for inviting me. So firstly, I, I just wanted to find out from you if you could tell the audience a bit about who you are and what is your story. Okay, that's a very big question, by the way. <laughs> um, but I am Tepang Khobokwa. I'm a young woman, Wamosotu, born and bred in Valkum in the Free State. I am a person that is passionate about creating and improving access. I am a lover of life and I just love being a human being. Oh, beautiful. Thank you. Um, so... If I'm not mistaken, you are part of an organization called Taka, correct? Yes, Taka. Could you explain a little bit more about what the organization does? All right, cool. Um, so Taka is a company that I co-founded with a couple of friends of mine. Uh, there are four co-founders. And we actually co-founded this while still in varsity. And the goal of Dagger is to uh, remove language as a, um, a barrier to accessing knowledge. Because if you think about it, there's so much knowledge out there in the world. And I mean, even thinking of just the South African scale, there's so much knowledge that's available, but oftentimes it's packaged only in English and sometimes in Afrikaans as well. And what that means is that people that do not know those languages automatically do not have access to that knowledge, regardless of whether the knowledge does uh, sort of like does involve language or not so for example if you think of someone who wants to learn how to weld um, such a person would need to know English so they can access the knowledge that is how to weld mm. and what that then means is that if they don't understand English they can never really get that skill Whereas the skill itself and the job itself has nothing to do with English. And so at this point in time, the language is just a barrier to them accessing that knowledge. So we saw this uh, um, um, issue or problem. And being a country that has very high unemployment rates, um, we were of the opinion that we should be doing more to make um, knowledge accessible, to make skills accessible to people. And that is what Dagla then aims to address. And initially, when the company started, we wanted to create a translation tool that, will, that would uh, translate this uh, knowledge into, um, from the mainstream languages, English and Afrikaans, into indigenous uh, South African languages. Um, however, this was obviously a very big uh, challenge, <laughs> which I'll probably get into later on as we speak. But uh, basically, translation technology is not very advanced, even for your Germans, your Mandarins, uh, because of that human element that's necessary in translation technology, yeah. you find that it is not quite advanced um, across the board. Um, and it was then all the more difficult for African languages for which in some subject matters have not been developed adequately. So if you think of trying to teach someone mechatronics in your home language, yeah. there are some terms that you might not have yet. 
terms that you might need to still create. And so because of that, obviously that was quite a big step for a startup company. And so, and we were bootstrapping um, at the time. And so we then decided to then start by the smallest like viable product that could we can find that still contributes to our main goal. And that's when we started putting together the children's digital library. Um, and as you know, we are putting together a, a children's uh, digital library that's got illustrations and an audio book and read along effect. So think of it as like a video storybook uh, that kids can watch. And that's what we're currently doing. We've built the prototype now and we're about to launch our pilot phase. And through this, we hope to build it to create in, or include more content in future and eventually build towards our ultimate goal of removing, um, what is this, of removing language as a barrier to access. So yeah, that is what that is currently doing. And it's quite an exciting thing because I mean, if you think about the, the literacy rates in our country as well, the stats are quite like horrendous because 78% of grade fours, for example, don't read for meaning. And this means that as the children grow up and go into higher grades where they have to deal with complex subject matter, that becomes a challenge um, because perhaps they might not understand the matter, not because they can't comprehend the concept, but because their language use is something that they haven't mastered yet. And what we then found also um, is that if you learn first uh, in your mother tongue and you learn how to read for meaning in your mother tongue, which is a language that most children are generally um, strong in or competent in from the early ages based on the fact that it is spoken at home. If you learn how to read for meaning in your mother tongue, you have a higher chance of picking up a second language quite easier which means when you do go to school and you do learn English, then you get to pick up the language quite easier. You get to pick up the skill of reading for meaning easier as well because you've already mastered it in a language that you understood in the first place. And so, yes, that's what Dagda is doing. Wow, no, that's 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 incredible. Um, it, it sounds like you guys are planning on doing some really incredible work. And um, I actually found it, I found it quite interesting and, and quite important that you mentioned, you know, starting off with with an idea and realizing the the, the challenges around it and 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 mm -hmm. reframing it to 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 kind of have the i think you mentioned the the sort of like the minimum viable product that can still yeah. solve the problem that you guys are wanting to solve i think that's um um a really interesting in, interesting aspect for us from for us to learn from yes and i mean that's what entrepreneurship is all about right yeah <laughs> yeah of course so you managed to you get you got a degree in chemical engineering whilst you were studying so i just wanted to find out from you what inspired you to go into social entrepreneurship and try and solve a problem in south africa and in africa rather than say you know taking your degree and and going to europe and just working and making a bunch of money and and that being your career um, okay, so firstly, for me to even pick uh, that career path was because I was passionate about access. Um, so as much as at the time, I obviously hadn't necessarily been able to frame it in that way, but I definitely think that looking back, I can identify that 
this is something that I've always been passionate about um, because essentially I was busy doing, I, I entered a competition. Um, I had to write like an essay about um, the beneficiation of materials in the SADC region mm. um, and how we can actually try to benefit more from that. And what I realized while I was doing my investigation for this, because obviously it was quite a big topic for um, someone who's in high school, so I had to do a lot of research. Um, I found that we actually do make a loss every year in the, as countries of the SADC region, as African countries as a whole, actually. Mm. We make a loss every year um, exporting raw materials and importing refined goods. Yeah. And it didn't make sense to me. And of course, some of these policies are based or were formulated um, historically when um, a lot of Africa was still very much oppressed, yeah. um, legally speaking, you know. Um, and so some of these policies just carry through. And that is why I feel a lot of African countries are still under this um, kind of setup where we are set up to make a loss. And so that did not make sense to me. And I thought to myself, how can I, what job can I put myself in that will allow me to address this problem? And um, at the time I was doing a lot of research around careers and what it is that I could do and all of that. And then I came across uh, chemical engineering as a career. And what struck me the most was the sheer amount of things or um, sort of career paths you could branch into with the degree. And one of the things I identified was that, I mean, if I can get into a job that works specifically in the secondary sector, because essentially that's the problem I wanted to solve. I wanted to introduce um, more of the secondary um, sector in our African country so that we can process the raw materials ourselves and then sell them as tertiary products and not just as the raw materials. I was like, okay, maybe I should find a job where I can do that. Mm. Um, and through um, doing a lot of research about chemical engineering, I also found that I could actually also get into policymaking on top of it being uh, part of um, improving the secondary sector. And so that's how I ended up choosing my career. I thought I want to get into policymaking and I want to be um, to work in an industrial type of area that works to refine raw materials into final products that can be of higher value um, than the raw materials could ever be. And so that's how I got into my career. And I mean, like I said, we did start that while I was in school or university rather, um, but um, as you will pick up, it is quite still the same kind of um, goal in mind, and that is to create or improve access. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I don't necessarily think it was ever on the cards for me to go to wherever and just make money. Um, I think not that I'm against money. Hell, I want a lot of money. <laughs> I'm going to make a lot of money. Uh, <laughs> but I definitely do think that I want to say I am called to create and improve access. It's something I've always been passionate about, and it's something that I'm willing to work on uh, for a very, very long time. And so that's how I ended up um, in social entrepreneurship, in DACA, and also doing some of the other projects that I'm doing still in the same uh, streak of trying to improve or create access. Oh, that's that's incredible. Uh, it, it's so cool to hear about, you know, someone who's inspired to 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 better access in so many different ways. Uh, I think mm -hmm. I think that's really cool. 
Thank you. So you obviously, um, Tapla's focus is mainly on literacy and 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 education. So of of all the issues that you and your um, co-founders wanted to try and solve in in or that you could have solved in South Africa, what made you decide to go for education and literacy in particular? So why we specifically went for education is that it's quite um, it's one of the few scalable ways to grow a community to grow an economy uh, because if you think about it you transfer a set of skills to someone and that can result in them building a career for themselves um, providing for themselves for their families it's something that is easily scalable as far as creating access because it in itself births access to more things. Mm. And so for us, it was very important to unlock those doors um, to education specifically or to knowledge uh, specifically because of the sheer amount of things you can achieve when you have knowledge. And this is regardless of how it's packaged, whether it's going to school or reading a book or learning something from a brochure you find. Really, the knowledge that you can gain from any source that uh, you come across, it can be so valuable and so scalable in terms of its value and what it then yields for the person who has acquired this knowledge. And so for us, it was almost the obvious thing to do um, to create access in this manner. Yeah, yeah no, that that definitely makes makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, you you guys have been working in this organization for for quite a while. So I, I wanted to find out what have been what is one of your most positive memories or experiences in in working in this organization. Wow, <laughs> where do I start? Um, I think. Firstly, just four people coming together and understanding and sharing a vision. I think that for me has always been um, something that I've valued quite a lot uh, because you find that it's not very easy for a whole bunch of people to work towards one goal over an, a, like a long period of time. And it has been long. I mean, we started conversations around that in 2017. We registered the company in 2018 mm. and all four of us have been laboring towards this goal that we believe in since then. Mm. Um, and for me, I think that has been my biggest or the thing I value the most from this journey is really the fact that all four of us have been able to sort of get married to this vision mm. and commit to work on it going forward. And then I think, of course, once our first grant uh, was approved, that was definitely a highlight because it's to show that, hey, this vision that we've been working on, because for a very long time, it seemed like we were the only ones that kind of got it, mm. um, especially when we were still pitching the first idea because everyone just got so much money like such a small uh, company, like a, it's a small startup. You don't have skills in this area. There was a lot of sort of stumbling blocks that people saw when we saw the sort of the end goal. Mm. And so for a very long time, it did seem like we were only seeing this vision alone and we would do so for a very long time. Yeah. So when we got our first grant funding um, from the Ellen Gray Obers Foundation, shout out. <laughs> 
Um, we were very excited. And I think for me, it was also quite a, a pivotal moment because it was, uh, I want to say, almost an affirmation that we were on the right track, that what we're working on makes sense and that what we're working on, there's value in it. And because, you know, when you start something, you can quickly become attached to it. And so when people are telling you, or advising you or, or, or trying to guide you, yeah. um, sometimes you may not necessarily heed to their guidance or hear when they say this is too far-fetched yeah. um so they it could be that one you're really passionate and you stick into your guns or two you are just super attached to the idea because it's kind of like your baby now and you've been working on it for a very long time and you just don't want to let go even though it doesn't make sense to still pursue it mm. and so when we got our first grant funding definitely it was um it was an affirmation that we are on the right track and we should yeah. carry on uh, working towards this. And I think just every day then, um, just to wrap up, every day of us working towards this, for me is once again, I think a highlight because like I said, we started in 2017 and it's like what, five years later um, and we're still uh, passionate about what we want and we are now crushing some of our goals that we've always had and getting in front of uh, audiences that we've never had. Um, and so it's, it's, it's just, things seem to be opening up and I think it will forever be um, pivotal moments or important moments for me or moments that stand out for me. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been quite a journey. So it's not very easy to pick one, mo <laughs> one moment that is my favorite, but um, yeah. Mm. oh that's that's incredible and it's it's really good to hear that you know you've been able to see some 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 real progress um mm. in starting this yeah yeah i'm also glad we have been able to see progress <laughs> yeah yeah so um the next thing that i wanted to find out from you is if i am a young person who who sees a problem, whether it's in their community or or in the country or even in the continent at large, if if I'm a young person who sees a problem that I want to solve or that I want to pursue solving, what what advice would you have for me, or, or where do you think one should start? I would literally just say go for it. I mean, it sounds like it's not much of an advice or a valuable piece of knowledge to share. But so many people really just fail at that very one thing, which is the beginning of things, and that is just to start. Um, and I think that is really um, one thing I definitely tell the person, because so many things that um, will be of help to you and so many resources that will come to you along the journey as you go will probably only avail themselves as you're already on the journey. Um, and so the whole thing of just waiting until you have the perfect whatever or waiting until you are at a certain place or waiting until the moment is just right or waiting until you have all the resources possible, um, I think is the killer of many dreams, the killer of uh, or the reason why a lot of uh, goals are not pursued. And so for me, I think, especially if you've seen a problem, that for me is already a step in the right direction. It means you already have the, the right mindset of, of not just seeing problems, but also thinking of the fact that actually this can be solved. 
And once you are on that path, I feel like just go for it, start. There's always someone somewhere out there who can help you. Um, there are resources all over us. Yes, at times it might feel like you do not have access to them, but they are there. Um, and I think by starting, you also improve your chances of be, of getting more access um, to some of the things that are out there. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Thank you. And, You're welcome. Um, and just sort of as we as we come closer to the end, um, what has been yeah, what has been one of the um biggest shifts in your perspective of the issue of um literacy and education in South Africa since um 2017, 2018 when you started um Tatka. Mm. So I mean, initially when we started, uh, I think a lot of our focus was on primarily people that did not get to um, go to school or people that um, went to school but don't necessarily have a good comprehension of English um, and the main languages. That was our initial uh, focus area. However, as we were progressing and as we saw and did a lot of research in the education sector, in the literacy, um, um, the literacy aspect of things of where the country is, you get to realize that even people that go to school, a lot of people leave school not necessarily knowing how to read for meaning. Um, and so for me, I think my biggest shift has been the fact that a lot more needs to be done as far as literacy is concerned in our country and a lot more meaning even within the schools systems need to be improved as to we can't just have a case where you know in the early grades all you did was just read out loud and you got marked on that and it was like oh okay this person can actually read um, as though that also marks understanding or reading for meaning and so I think for for me the biggest realization has been that actually we don't necessarily have systems in place even in our schools that actually guarantee that children are reading for meaning and I mean outside of when you now then get into um, grade four and you're now reading a lot of subject matter and are expected to write tests and exams on it um, that's the only part where I think it starts being about reading for meaning. Um, and I don't know, I think more should be done. Um, I know we do have some comprehension assessments here and there in the earlier grades, but I don't think it's enough. I don't think it's as in-depth as it should be considering how big a problem we're currently dealing with. And so for me, that has been the biggest um, realization. And I guess you would say shift uh, because I didn't think the issue was so bad before we started working on that. Yeah, wow. No, you definitely yeah. sound like uh it's 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 interesting how how much your 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 knowledge on the subject matter has has changed and also just how passionate you and I'm sure your co-founders are about this. Um so yeah, thank you so much for for sharing that. And um just 
wanted to find out as well where can we find you on social media how can the audience find you guys and support you all right so data is available on um, all social media platforms um, that being twitter instagram as well as facebook and you can find us at data africa um, it's at data africa we also have a website um, Africa, quite easy to remember. Um, so yeah, we do have a website and we also share a lot of um, audiobooks there as well for free that people can access um, and use for their children. Um, so outside of what we are building, which is our digital library, we also have partnered up with Nali Bali, which is um, a, a nonprofit organization that also deals in the same space that we are in, and that is the space of literacy and getting more people to read. Um, and so we've partnered with them and we do share um, some of these stories through our podcast as well. Um, and you can find that on our website. Um, so yes, that's where you can find us. Yeah, thank you so much. And lastly, uh, a question that I ask every person who comes onto this podcast, if you knew that every young African was listening to this right now, what would you want to say to them? I would want to tell them that they are incredibly powerful, more powerful than they can ever imagine. And all they really just need to do is find what their calling is, find what they are passionate about, find what it is that gets them going and really just pursue that uh, with all their might. I believe that all of us do have a place in the world, do have something that we're passionate about. And it's very much possible to make a living out of your passions. And I'd like every African young person to know that and to pursue that. If they don't know yet what it is that their calling is, what it is that they're passionate about, then they should be passionate about finding it <laughs> because it is there. And it's, I won't, I'm not saying it will be easy now that you found it or whatever the case may be. Um, there will always be challenges, even when you are on the right path. Yeah. But definitely, um, there is something out there for you. Wow, what a great way to end off. And thank you so much again, Sebang, for, for taking some time to, to be here and to share your knowledge and your experience with us. I, I really do appreciate it. Not a problem. It was definitely an honor to be here. Once again, thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And I really hope that you enjoyed it and that it brought you tremendous value. If it did, please leave a rating for the podcast on whatever platform you use. Like, share, comment, subscribe, and follow us on social media at For the Future ZA. I would love to hear your thoughts on the podcast episode. Thank you so much and have a good one.